0: Continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast. The lab tells Contact Six in an email demand for testing has been greater than we have ever
2: seen. Need a COVID test? Get in line.
3: We hope that this is the worst, and after this, it will get better.
2: What's driving the demand for testing in southeast Wisconsin? Then. It's like winning a sweepstakes you didn't enter, except the state has the money.
1: We don't wanna keep your property. We would much rather give it back to people.
2: How to find out if it belongs to you and why one man found out he waited too long to claim his money. I just brushed it off, I cut it off. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with Amanda Saint-Hilaire. Hi, Amanda.
0: Hey, Brian. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, September 22nd, for release on Thursday, September 23rd. And once again, we are with Contact 6 Investigator Jenna Sachs. Hey, Jenna. Hi. Happy to be here. You have had a busy year so far. You've already saved people hundreds of thousands of dollars. If The math is right.
1: We have. Contact Six has had a a very big year for 2021 so far. As I've mentioned before, we have a full-time case manager, Annette, who's working behind the scenes to help resolve consumer issues, um, issues with refunds for people all over Wisconsin. And we've saved our viewers more than $270,000 so far this year so we are on pace for a very big year so we're happy with the refunds we've been able to help people get and it really is across the spectrum you know contractor issues warranty issues home repairs there's so many things that people reach out to contact six about and some of it's. The stuff you think is just a little more mundane, it may not make the news, but it makes a big difference to someone to get maybe $50 back or $13,000 back, which we've done recently as well. So it's been a big year, and I'm just so grateful we have Annette doing all of that work behind the scenes that you might not even hear about on the news. So it's, we're, we're on pace for a good year. We're hoping to break 300000
2: Well, and obviously, Jenna, sometimes you guys get people money back. That's one of the things that you do, but you do so many other things that have nothing to do with getting people money back as well. So you're obviously keeping busy on sort of both both counts.
1: Right. I mean, there's a lot of issues and topics that consumers are wondering about across the state, especially with COVID-19. So there's been a lot of ground for us to cover with our segment. And and that's some of the issues we're talking about today. Right. So speaking of COVID,
0: the demand for tests has been really rising since over the summer. And some test sites told you, Jenna, that they're busier than they've ever been. And as someone who has recently gone through the testing process, I can uh, attest to the fact that the lines are getting longer.
1: They are. And actually, I emailed Summit Laboratories yesterday just to find out what the current status is for them because they allow walk-in appointments. And they said their lines are out the door now, which is a different, that's different from when I did this story in early September. They said the demand has only continued to rise for testing. And they used to be able to do same-day results at some. You would get tested in the day and you'd get your results by midnight via their portal. And they say they've now had to switch to 24-hour testing. So that's just one example. We also spoke with Hyatt Pharmacy for our story. They tell me their demand has also been continuing to rise, busier than they've ever been. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. There's a combination of factors, but it seems to be across the board. This is an upward trend that has continued since really things bottomed out in july
2: well you know it seems like there was obviously a time in this pandemic where everyone was being told stay at home you're safer at home things were shut down there weren't big events happening now we're back in a time where kids are back in school big events are happening like Summerfest, and and we had state fair and there are these other things concerts uh, where, where people are being told, maybe you need to show you've been vaccinated, and if you can't, you've gotta show a test, or for travel, you've gotta show you had a test. I imagine those are some of the things that are, that are really driving this demand. Is, is that it, is it because we're just sort of living life like it's normal again, but we need to be able to prove that we're not carrying around the virus?
1: Right, there's a lot of factors that are combining. In the early days of September, and I think what's still driving things now, is there was a combination of factors. One, there was the Delta variant, two, back to school, and three, Summerfest. A lot of people have been going to test sites in Wisconsin just to get tested for Summerfest. So the combination of those three things is really what drove demand in early September when things really started to rise in, in terms of demand for testing. And it's interesting because DHS releases, you know, COVID numbers, you know, positive cases, and the numbers today are similar to what they were back in like November. Oh, actually, let's see. It was back in fall of 2020. So it's interesting comparing the two because the circumstances today are very different because people are out, people are vaccinated, but we are seeing cases go up. It, whether they're as serious as they were before is is very different case. But, you know, it's interesting looking at the fact that we are on an upward trend right now. And a lot of these places that are taking testing are having... increasing demand. Remember, we don't have these National Guard sites anymore. So there's a lot of people trying to figure out where to go. And this was something I experienced recently because I have uh, a daughter who was supposed to start kindergarten in early September and the week before we found out that she was exposed to COVID-19 at daycare. So it sent us down this road that everybody else was on trying to figure out, well, where do we go? Can we get tests you know, back in time that the school district will accept so she can start school on the first day with everybody else. And in the end, she couldn't because of the timing of when she was exposed. She had to stay home, you know, in quarantine for at least a week if everything else went well with the testing and no symptoms and all that. But I found myself in the same position as everybody else trying to figure out, well, where can I go? What results will the district accept? What are the most reliable results? And I, I consider myself in the know You know, I've done stories on testing sites before. I've been to all these places, and I still found it a bit stressful trying to figure out where I could get the fastest, most reliable results. Well, and that's part of the reason
0: that the rapid tests are in such high demand, right? So, Jenna, we found ourselves in a similar situation where we found out that our two-year-old was exposed to COVID at daycare. And so they said, okay, she's got to stay home the earliest um, she will accept the test results from is Thursday. We got this notification on a Sunday night. They said she can't get tested before Thursday or Friday because it takes time, you know, to, to know you're going to get an accurate test. Well, the problem mm-hmm. for us was Thursday afternoon, we were supposed to leave to Philadelphia for my brother's wedding. Well, we're not going to bring her if she's if she potentially has COVID. Um, so we were scrambling and we ended up getting in to get a rapid test. It was really expensive. It was like $200 almost to get a rapid PCR test so that we could have the most accurate result that we could in a rapid test. And she ended up being negative and, and everything turned out fine, but it was a scramble and it ended up being really expensive because Not all these tests are the same or accepted.
1: Right. You know, Contact 6 has done reporting before about the difference between PCR and antigen tests. And antigen tests um, can now be done at home. That's the one you can buy, the Binax now. For twenty three ninety nine at Walgreens and other I told stores. you Jenna that,
2: that I actually we, we have used that in my household and and uh, yeah. you know it, for whatever reliability the results have it was easy to use but obviously that's that's a very different thing than than some of the uh, the tests people need uh, to to prove that they don't have COVID right
1: right it's a useful tool in figuring out you know what we can and can't do but it's not as reliable as the PCR results and a lot of places offer same-day results, but even like Summit, Summit was doing same-day results, and now, you know, they're doing 24. You can get a similar test at Walgreens that's are considered equally reliable, and they were doing that in one hour at one point, and now they're saying it's taking a little longer there as well. But if you want to get into Walgreens, you might not get in right away if you want a PCR test result that's back. And they
0: don't test quickly. kids under three.
1: Yes, that's another thing. So it's this whole... You know, situation we have to assess who takes my kids, where can I go. Hyatt Pharmacy offers a one-hour PCR test, but they don't have a grant to provide it for free, so it costs about $190 if you go there, which sounds like you experienced something similar, Amanda. Hyatt actually does a lot of those because they're really close to the airport. So if someone's coming through the airport and they realize, oh my gosh, I don't have the test I need to go to London, they rush over quickly to Hyatt and they pay $190, and then they're waiting with their phone at the ticketing line to see if they can get through and they have their, that's their test That's better than losing
2: result. the entire trip to London, right? Then the $190 exactly. becomes suddenly worth it.
0: And in, in some cases, insurance will reimburse you. They don't always, mm-hmm. but they, they do sometimes. So that's actually an option that mm-hmm. we're exploring with our test right now.
1: Right, a lot of some places will cover these rapid tests, others won't. You you just have to do your research. It's kind of confusing because some people think I thought all testing was covered, but it's not all the time. If it's not provided by a, a certified clinic or if they don't have a grant to provide it, um, but it, we talked to experts about whether we can rely on PCR results that come back quickly because antigen tests come back quickly, and we were told you know those aren't as reliable. You should test again a few days later to verify your result is negative um, and the experts all said yes PCR testing is still the gold standard if it's rapid or not if it comes back the same day or not you should be able to trust those results that's why you can submit these PCR tests to go back to school, to go back to work, to get on an international flight. And often you can't provide an antigen test, which they can do on site and give you a note for, but places won't necessarily accept that. Summerfest did, uh, but not, you know, international flights and so on.
2: I have to say the, the, the need to prove vaccination status or or that you've been tested um, does also to some some degree come down to the level of enforcement that these venues are willing to engage in. Because when you have thousands of people standing in line to get into something and the lines are long and people are restless, my own experience at Summerfest was, I had my card all ready to go digitally on my phone. I could blow it up. They could see exactly when everything was done. I had my ID ready. The person who was working glanced at the screen maybe for a fraction of a second and wave me in so there is some question about all the efforts some people are going to and whether or not there's any uh real close examination of of the proof that's needed but but that's different i imagine if you have to travel if you're going to the airport you've got to get out of the country or somewhere across the country or whatever it might be uh, or you've got to get you know into daycare or school then then these things become a little more urgent
1: Right, an outdoor festival versus uh, you know being on a plane in close close quarters with a bunch of people. Yeah, it's. I think it's going down a little bit the positivity rate. It was at ten percent at the time of our story. I think it's closer to eight percent now. So even though there's a lot of testing going on, it's not a super high percentage of people that are testing positive. So it's 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 good that people are getting tested. And when we actually went to uh, a location for our story, we saw people getting tested for Summerfest. And it was interesting because it was kind of a unique screening opportunity for some people because we saw people who just came in so they could go see a concert and found out that they tested positive. Um, So people were going in just because they wanted to go to Summerfest and then ended up finding out... Oh my gosh, I sounded so wisconsin (laughs)
2: Actually, it was sort of Canadian.
1: Oh, where did I go? That was like my Minnesota accent on steroids, but they found out that they tested positive. So that was not something they expected.
0: So, Jenna, the state of Wisconsin is holding on to hundreds of millions of dollars just waiting for people to claim it so this is called unclaimed property pretty easy to find out if you have any and that's how you found out you have some money
1: i did you know we were doing a story because a gentleman had contacted us saying he was having an issue with some unclaimed property and i went to the website for the department of revenue i entered my name and i found out i had 13 whole dollars in unclaimed property uh, it looks like it was a medical bill overpayment or maybe the amount of my bill changed later on. But uh, I, in, as part of this story, I went through and I claimed my $13. Hey, so When you have kids in daycare,
0: <laughs> every dollar counts.
1: You know what? I, I got it. It arrived in the mail after the story a couple weeks later, and we cashed it.
0: <laughs> so what is unclaimed property exactly, and, and where does all this come from?
1: So unclaimed property is basically money that was turned over to the state because its owner could not be located. So let's say you quit a job and you never collected your last paycheck. That money would eventually be turned over to the state by the business and the state would hold on to the money for you indefinitely. It could also be on cash checks, dormant savings accounts, abandoned stocks, and mutual funds, and in my case, you know, something to do with medical bills. That's what makes up the vast majority Of the state's unclaimed property, there is a small portion of unclaimed property that's called sheeted estates, and that was important in our story. This is money that expires after 10 years. The state does not hold on to it in perpetuity, and then that money is turned over to the school fund. And sheeted estates are basically when someone passes away, their estate goes through probate, and the probate process can't find any heirs. So the money... From that point goes to the Department of Revenue, which advertises the money, tries to track down heirs, and then eventually, after a decade, passes over the money to the school fund.
2: I want to point something out real quick because we often say that we have to become fast experts on things in this business. And Jenna, I just get a kick out of hearing you say things like "sheeted estates" and "in perpetuity." And suddenly, you've become like you know an attorney who's who's uh, doling out the, all this unclaimed property. But you have to learn about this stuff, and, and I don't think most people have any idea that this money's sitting out there um, or, or how it might have gotten to the state of Wisconsin. But finding out about it is so simple. Like you found it simply by searching after I saw your story, of course, I did what everybody else is hopefully going to do. I went and I searched too. And um, and I think I found uh, maybe, I don't know, there was $10 or less or something like that. There's a lot of situations. I, I went to Missouri, and sure enough, the state of Missouri has the same thing, where my mom lives. And we know she's a fan of the podcast. Well, she's got some money sitting out there. But again, it's these very small amounts. And I guess one of the things I wonder about is there's all these little $5 and $10 and $15 amounts sort of sitting out there scattered. Is it worth it for the state to go through the process of you file a claim and you prove who you are and you send in the documentation and they cut a check. It almost seems like it would be inefficient at a certain point to be doling out little amounts of five and ten dollars to people.
1: Well, at the end of the day, it's our money, and we have the right to claim it. And the state is aware of that, and they want this to get out there. That's why they have this searchable database. They really jumped at the opportunity to do this story with us. Um, they really wanted to help get the word out about this so people could file claims to get their money. And I asked the, um, the official I interviewed, what was the largest claim you've ever seen personally? And she said she's seen a claim for more than $1 million, which is not most of us, but could you imagine Wow, going on and finding out you had a $1 million claim. But there's a lot of money that the state is holding in just general unclaimed property. It's about $617 million, a lot of it in small amounts, but some of it in larger amounts. And then a sheeted estate's. Um, they have another $5 million or so. So it's a, a smaller portion of it. But uh, that's quite a bit of money. And I, they say when you go on the website, don't just search for yourself. Search for your parents. Search for deceased relatives because they have property going back to 1970. So search a bunch of different names and you may be able to file a claim on behalf of your relatives. So tell
0: us more about the specific situation that got you looking into this issue.
1: Right. We were contacted by a man named Jerry. And Jerry is struggling financially. He makes no secret about it. He's going through tough times. And for years, his friends have been telling him, you know, I saw an ad that you have some unclaimed property. And he admits he put it off. He says he even thinks he got some letters in the mail, but he delayed. He didn't look into it. He didn't know how much money it would be. He heard it might be quite a bit, but he delayed. And when he finally reached out, he was told that the money had likely expired and that it had lapsed to the school fund because the money he was trying to claim was likely part of that small number that's in a sheeted estate. And you know, I'm glad I'm impressing you with that phrase, Brian. I had well, to learn it Well, I'd never for heard this of it story. before,
2: but but whatever, obviously it has some real importance because there's a time limit.
1: There is, and we were able to verify Jerry's story. And in 2002, an advertisement for unclaimed property ran in a state newspaper, and it was under his mom's name, Emma Griesmer, who died in 1998. And the amount attached to the ad in her name was $12,582, which is a lot of money. So Jerry was very disappointed when he found out he could no longer file a claim for that money. And at this point, it probably lapsed to the school fund a long time ago. And it is important in some of these cases, not most of them, but some like Jerry's, there is a time limit associated with it. And it's, it was an opportunity to talk about a estates in this story, but also to say, hey, there's this huge pot of money that the state is holding on to indefinitely. And they want you to go to this database and file a claim and, and, Get the money into the hands of the people it belongs to
0: i'm wondering if the hits on their database went up after your story aired because it is a really easy process to go through and you demonstrated that
1: yeah i had them walk me through how to file my claim and there was someone on a facebook page who said well it was easy for you because they walked you through it but i I really think I could have done this on my own. It was not a difficult process. It takes maybe 10 minutes and you need a driver's license um, you'll have to provide a social security number. And if you have proof of an address attached to the money, because remember, if you've moved a few times, the money might be attached to an address you no longer live at. So if you had a tax return or a bank statement or utility bill from that time, um, they may, they'll may they ask for that. But the state says you really only need to file one of those documents for them to look at the claim. And because DOR has all of your tax returns and records, they can look back and connect you with addresses if you don't have evidence of that at this point. So just file whatever documents you have and they should be able to move forward with your claim. I only ended up submitting my driver's license and they were able to figure out that it was my, my money and I got it back. All $13, all $13 of it, it covered my Starbucks habit for like three days,
2: so, <laughs> so that's so good. What was the total I'll amount you said again coffee. that's sitting out there? Uh, you, I know you said about $5 million in a sheet of estates, but how much total?
1: $617 million. Six
2: hundred. Hey, that's a lot of couch cushion change. It's it just sitting and, out there waiting to be claimed.
1: Right. DOR keeps posting press releases saying we sent out another $8 million in unclaimed property. They, they want these numbers to go down. They don't want the pot to keep growing. And I would just encourage anybody to go to the Department of Revenue's website. In the top right corner, there's a link that says unclaimed property. It's very easy to search. And I found it easy to file a claim. Even if I hadn't had DOR walking me through it, I'm very confident I could have done it. <music>
2: And that's as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun, and we do that by answering a question we have not prepared for. And to ask us that question once again, we are joined by Fox 6 executive producer Sarah Smith.
3: Hello, hello. I always feel like I need like walk-up music or something, you know? <laughs> like
0: you should get walk-up music. <laughs>
3: You know, I might, uh, I might talk to our uh, editor, Dave Machuda, about that. That would be a good um, off-the-record question. What would your walk-up <laughs> song be? You know, I'm going to jot it down maybe for next week, because after this question, I was like, what am I going to do for next week? <laughs> anyway.
2: <laughs> if it's wind um, beneath my wings, I quit the podcast. I-
3: <laughs> let's, get, let's get pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Nothing like a little Bette Midler. Anyway. Okay, so today's question um may or may not have you throwing someone under the bus. So I'm going to apologize in advance to anyone that you may fill in the blank on this answer with. So, And I knew right away when I saw the question, I was like, I know my answer. Okay, so here it is. You can invite one person to an event. If they're late, you win $1 million. Who are you inviting? Ooh. And I'll, I'll start it. Uh, okay. So I know no one can see your faces right now, but we're all on zoom and Jenna covered her face as to not show all her teeth as she smiled largely. And Amanda also laughed. <laughs> I
0: did so, not cover anyway. my face cause I do not. No, no, that. you
3: did not. <laughs> um, okay. So, and I know my brother as much as I love him. I throw him under the bus a lot on this podcast. I feel like, but he, um, that's who I would invite. My brother is habitually late. I mean, like without fail. I've started to cheat the times. So if we're going to my mom's for uh, Christmas, a birthday, whatever, and my mom and I say, all right, one o'clock. I tell my brother 1215, 1230. I mean, it's bad. And then he still won't show up till (laughs) 130. So I always add the buffer, plus another about 45 minutes. So um, I know for sure if I invited Kevin to an event He would be late and I would be
0: rolling in the dough. Amanda. Well, first of all, Sarah, your answer made me think of my grandfather, my dad's dad, the reverse, who we used to have to, because he was so, would show up so early for things. Like if we said, Hey, we're all getting together for Christmas at one, he would be there at like noon. So we would have to tell him much later in order to get him there (laughs) at an appropriate and not awkward time. Um, Okay, mom, I love you. I love you. You probably don't listen to this podcast because you don't know how, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it would absolutely be my mom. She runs, her name is Sylvie, and we joke that she runs on Sylvie Time. Absolutely zero concept at any given point of what time it is what needs to be done and when, which is remarkable because she's incredibly organized. Just raising six kids, she's had to be. But I think ever since we got to the point where we could be self-sufficient with getting places on time, she just went completely the other direction where it's like, (laughs) I worried about this for so many people for so many years that now I'm just not gonna give a blank about it. So um, I I would say Sylvie St. Hilaire, (laughs) um, <laughs> if if they're late and I, I I'd get some guaranteed money, I think she'd be a pretty safe bet.
2: Jenna.
1: Well, the reason I'm smiling is because the people I'm going to throw under the bus are coworkers of ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spill the tea. And it, that's right. I'm supposed to see them this weekend, so we'll see if they're on time. Um, I, we have a, a couple of coworkers who are married to each other. Um, <laughs> Who I've we been all friends know with very good going. friends with for a very long time. <laughs> Just say their names. Uh, ben Handelman <laughs> and Ashley Sears. You are late friends. <laughs> and I and I, I love them dearly. And I it's it actually it comes from we all used to work the night shift together, which means we're all getting done with work at like 10:30, 11 o'clock. And then when we were younger, we would all meet up somewhere on like a Friday night after work. And I have always been a little lame, so I want to put in, like, an hour and then go home. But Ben and Ashley would always roll in, like, two hours after that, you know? Like, we would be meeting somewhere at 11.30, and I'm already exhausted, and then they would show up at, like, 12.30, 1 o'clock, and they could, you know, they've they they, they, they would, they've always just kind of been like that. They were the they, cool They've kids, gone home, showered, gotten on like, new
2: outfits, So what was it? Right, event? and...
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they just you know they 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 aren't rushed, and now they have a kid, so they have a legitimate excuse for for showing up a little later. But they've always you know just they've always just rolled in a little later. <laughs> now let's find out if they listen. I know. Or if <laughs> yeah, tells I them. test. Yes. Don't say if they jealous, anything. Totally <laughs> threw you under the bus. <laughs> They'll say that ten year friendship is just out the window.
2: <laughs> I, you know, I've been sitting here thinking this whole time like, who would it be? And the reality is. I can't, because I know anyone who knows me really well is thinking, don't say anybody else. It's you. Like, I (laughs) think it's me. You bet on yourself. I'm the late guy. Because if you ask any Fox 6 photographer and I say, well, I'll meet you there at 2 o'clock. And I usually say, I text when I'm on the way or I'm leaving the house and I, I might be a few minutes late. And, you know, Jerry Immig will send back a text that is dripping with eye rolling sarcasm, like surprise, (laughs) shocking. Um, And I talked about this on the podcast before, I always try to fit as much as I can in the time I have before I have to get somewhere or before I have to do something. And I usually fit that one extra thing in that I shouldn't have tried to do, and then I realize, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. This is an example right now. I am. We are recording this podcast on a, a Wednesday morning, and I am supposed to be in the Milwaukee courthouse at 9 a.m. It is 9:05. I am late, and oh so of God, course, Brian. Jeff Frings, our photographer who is there already, is uh, probably not surprised <sighs> that I am not there yet. Um, but yeah, so as soon as we get off of here, I'll be heading over. <laughs> To the courthouse, but it's, it's because I always think, ah, it's fine, I'll fit that last thing in, and I'm sure uh, it, it's frustrating for others, but I will say with all of that said, you'd think it would be extremely frustrating for my wife I love you, dear, um, I don't know if she listens, this will be a test uh, but she is almost as bad as me not quite and hers is more because before we leave there's a routine she's got to get one last drink of water she's got to put on the lip balm she's got to visit the restroom one more time there's all the sort of rituals that have to happen before you leave the house so I'm already making us late, and then she's got the extras to do. So as, as a pair, invite us a little early.
0: I have high anxiety about being late. And we're all more aware of it now that we all have phones, right? So it used to be like, hey, show up at this place at 2, and if you showed up at 2.05, maybe it wasn't such a big deal. No one would really know the difference. No one could easily check the time. Um, but I like I get real sweaty um, To borrow a phrase from Sarah, if I'm like, if I'm going to be if I'm if I'm supposed to be there at two and I'm going to roll in at 201, I am already like sending apology text messages. It really. So nothing enrages me more than when I know we're running late. My husband has been sitting on the couch like the whole time while I'm kind of finishing up getting ready. And then at the moment when I'm ready to leave, that's when he decides to do that ritual before leaving. Get the last drink of water, going to the bathroom. At 50% of the fights in our marriage have have revolved around that exact scenario.
1: But I wonder if some of it's generational. Like, I feel like people of our generation, maybe people 20s, 30s, they they arrive later. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like when I go to a party and I show up on time, I'm the first one there. You know what I mean? I feel like my family is always the first one to arrive when we arrive like three minutes after something started. So I feel like people in general maybe just arrive for things later than they used to. Although I'll tell you, when we got on the kids' birthday party circuit, parents (laughs) arrive with their kids on time. We're like, hey, entertainment, free entertainment for an hour and a half. Let's go. So that changes, I guess, once you have kids
0: can't wait well if you have a question you want to submit for our off the record segment if you want to suggest a topic that you think we should discuss an issue we should investigate please send us an email you can send your emails to fox six investigators at fox.com again that is fox the number six investigators at fox.com jenna thanks for being here this morning
1: thank you for ruining my friendship with ben and ashley
2: (laughs) As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible from producer Pete to editor Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and of course, Sarah Smith, please subscribe to open record. If you haven't already, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts with that. I'm Brian Polson and we'll be back again next week.